Dr. Morgan hasn't seen, it's the final episode. In the teacher movies series, Janine, it's been an epic journey. Yes, celebrating teachers has been a really great thing. So, yay! Teachers deserve much celebration. And I think this week we're on to another teacher that, to be fair to her, deserves much celebration. That's what we've liked. There's only really been one teacher in the whole series, Janine, that didn't deserve much celebration. (laughs) And that was poor old Helen Mirren at the start. Yes, Mrs. Tingle was not a very good educator. (laughs) And she was also called Mrs. Tingle, which is a silly name, as we all know. Yes. But yes, it is the final episode of the teacher movies series on Morgan Hasn't Seen this week. We have had a wonderfully varied selection of movies. And to be honest, I think this one, while at times it's got a kind of similar vibe to a Mr. Holland's opus, it's certainly more, or it's certainly less grand in scale. It's more focused on a specific period of time. But I think the kind of pace of the movie, the tones of the movie, it's quite similar to Mr. Holland's opus when you can, you know, compare this to to all the other teacher movies we've done. But again, it's very different to all the Yeah, like, I think you get that teacher. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, and you get that teacher kind of getting involved with the kids' lives and impacting them beyond kind of the classroom-type sense that Mr. Holland's opus had. Yeah, which is it's why I I felt it was quite similar to that movie in that way. Mona Lisa Smile is the name of the movie we're talking about this week. I think it's quite a weird name because I think it should be Mona Lisa's Smile, because it doesn't make grammatical sense to me, Janine, the title of the movie, Mona Lisa Smile. Like, that's just two, that's just three nouns, isn't it? But I mean, like, if you're tell, if you're using it as a command, if you're telling Mona Lisa to smile, which is kind of a context thing that has happened with women, like, you need to smile more. Like, you remember the whole Captain Marvel thing with Brie Larson, like, the whole... I do. Need, that, that, that became such a thing that they even made a line of dialogue in the movie about you need to smile more that they cut out. It was a deleted scene where before she steals those clothes, like, some the biker guy that she steals his bike told her to smile. <laughs> I didn't know that, though. That's a... Yeah. So, piece of maybe it's from that whole concept of, you know... Because how they use the Mona Lisa smile, they kind of use it to explain a certain, you know, facade that women put on. Um, they do. And that whole concept of, you know, women need to smile more or they don't look attractive or, you know, they're putting out negative energy or whatever, you know, usually males want to put on women is that command that you have to smile. So maybe it's in that context of you telling Mona Lisa to smile. So Mona Lisa, I like, smile. <laughs> but I like then you, that idea. You're probably going to tell like me that it, idea. it needs a comma in there. It does need a comma <laughs> if it's that. It does need a comma. Okay. Definitely. But I like that idea. I would, I would, I would happily accept stick that with that one. That thought process. Okay. That feels more appropriate <laughs> to this movie because it's a little bit like, stop telling me what to do, stupid guy who is quite clearly terrible 
like every man in this movie is at one point or another a little bit unnecessary, I feel. Not that there's anything necessarily inaccurate about that, as we all know. Yeah, but I think it's just kind of wanting to be a female-focused story. Oh, absolutely. The men are definitely secondary. Oh, yes, but what I'm saying is that when they are there... (laughs) I think every single kind of the worst <laughs> is the worst, which, like I said, as we all know, is probably quite accurate. Yeah. But yes, uh, let's go with the fact that the title is Mona Lisa. Smile. Come on. <laughs> you know, teeth out, big smile, say cheese and all that business. Yes. No matter what else is going on in your life, just smile. Yeah. A bad way of teaching people really isn't it yes many questions to be asked about the morals of this ridiculously fancy all girls college in massachusetts in the early 50s yes nonsense anyway janine i'm sure we uh i'm sure we don't Um, uh, well i'm sure we don't agree with most of the stuff that's going on in this movie, it is a little bit pigeonholy. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. But there is something we need to do before we get into the meat of today's episode, isn't there? There is. We have to say a huge thank you to the It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. We love to shout them out on an episode of one of the shows each week uh, to show our appreciation for their support. It's the least we do for the wonderful patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast. We do love them dearly. If you would like to join them, just go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Just type It's a Wonderful Podcast into Patreon. There we will be. Find the tier that's right for you. And the least you get is a lovely, hearty thank you every week on one of the shows from us, as Janine just said. First off, I would like to say thank you and big congratulations, actually, for your wonderful award, Maxwell Haddad. Yes, congrats on the Tony. And uh, thank you to Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box Janine's brother, Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan, Dr. Megs McCurley. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fenobi Steve. Thank you to Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Feese. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you, Delicia Butler. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber, our wonderful friends at Odd Shape Channel. And thank you to Billy Pollaha. Yes, the patrons. Yay. Are lovely people, Janine. Lovely people. The patrons, much nicer than most of the people we have, we find in Mona, Lisa, Smile. Apart from Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts is delightful. Yes. 
very much into the kind of vibe Julia Roberts gives off in this movie. Yeah, so it does take place in, I believe, 1953 is where we start. Yes. Um, and yeah, just even with something as simple as like her wardrobing is very kind of modern to kind of just speak to how she views the world and her stance on things going to this all girls college like education uh for women is very important to her um as she very fancy was, place as well Jane. yes ridiculously fancy college she's going oh definitely to. wellesley college for girls um but kind of as she goes along she realizes that this college is kind of more just for show um yes i think she, she at one point calls it a finishing school, a, a college finishing school masquerading as a disguised college. as a college, yes. Um, and like these girls are basically just biding their time until someone proposes. The, um, the, I think the head of the college is saying things like, Well, you know, however many years ago it was unthinkable for women to even have a college degree. And yes, all right, that's a fair point, but also you are yeah. still preparing these women for oh well done you've got a college degree now go on have a family do that and that's the only thing you're allowed to do if you don't do that you're being booted out somewhere yes so like she's coming into this situation thinking oh wow this is going to be an opportunity to educate young women to you know feel independent that there is yeah, more the leaders out of tomorrow yes that there's more out there for them than just being a housewife um you know, and that they can do both. They can have a, a, a home life and those things, but they can also want more for themselves and use the education that they've gained, you know, to put, to put something into the world themselves. Yes. Um, so it's that is kind of... nationalist system. Yes. So, but she goes into this just kind of... Back. Yes. So she just goes into this job hoping to, to accomplish those things, only to gradually learn kind of what this school is really about and that she's going to kind of have a fight to really get through to these girls and fight kind of the system um, of tradition that the school is so um, inherent on preserving. So, yeah, I do like, I mean, it's quite a obvious thing to do, but obviously it is Julia Roberts moving from California to Massachusetts to this school. Yes. And Massachusetts Obviously, in terms of the United States, very, very old place. Yeah. In terms of, you know, the, the actual, even colonial United States, very old place. California, much less so. Yeah, and kind of more open to progression, you know, I yes. think in most places at this time. Um, I just like how the locations fit in with their uh, values, I suppose. Because California, the amount of people that look at Julia Roberts and go, oh, you're from California. That, they either say, oh, that's very exciting. Oh, how do you deal with all the sunshine? Or, oh, isn't it all full of hippies out there? Or something yeah. along those lines. Well, there's a whole like rumor going around that she had an affair with William Holden. Because oh, I love that as well. The, I love it. It's my that's where all the Hollywood the stars live. So, yeah. <laughs> Out of everybody, I love that it was William Holden. Because, I mean, you could kind of believe that. <laughs> you <laughs> can know? believe it. William Holden is in that perfect realm of golden age Hollywood star, where he's not unbelievably massive. 
to the point where he just seems he'd be above ridiculously unattainable. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody, you know, today knows his name. But he's not nobody. He's yeah. He's pretty big. Yeah. He's big. I just like how they, they, they picked a perfect, perfect Person level to, to make this rumor. And yeah, I think at some point we do learn that it's possibly true. Um, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. She's like, how like did that. you hear that? Like, that was really Definitely fun. It's so pretty sure. Yes. William um, Holden getting, in, getting, getting into business. Yes. Getting into some fun. <laughs> Yeah, so so because she's from California, these these are kind of mis- these these ideas about her are already kind of put on her as she's coming to this more strict traditional environment. Prejudice is always something we tend to find whenever we cover movies about some sort of upper class school, isn't it, Janine? Yes, yes. There's always some ridiculously angry judgment going around yes we know everybody we went through this with school ties as well um yeah so she starts this job and we kind of get little peppers of things that kind of are showing you know the 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 valued things uh that these girls are learning in in the school um she decides to move in uh, to housing with one of the other teachers who teaches poise and elocution and you know basically housewife things, right? There, and, you know, there are some there are some aspects of these fancy kind of colleges and public schools we would call them in, in Britain. These places where you pay absurd fees to get in, or most of the people pay absurd fees to get in, unless you are particularly monumentally clever, at which case you get basically asked to come. Yeah. You know, um, I am fascinated by these places. They've obviously got a lot of, a lot of history to them, particularly obviously English ones being as, you know, centuries old, but nowhere else where you find lessons on how to sit properly. How to set a table properly, oh. what utensils to use. And and your biggest dilemma is, oh my gosh, you have to make, you know, you have four more people that you weren't planning coming to your dinner party. What do you do? Yeah, like nobody else cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's why I love Maggie Gyllenhaal's response. Fancy. <laughs> That's yeah. why I love Maggie Gyllenhaal's response. Like, okay, you know, your husband's up for this big job. So you suggest to him, invite the boss and his wife over for dinner. Dinner's at seven, but at 6.15, he tells you that he's not only inviting the boss, but he's inviting the two other people and their wives that are competing for the job. You know, what are you going to do? How do you figure this out? And Maggie Gyllenhaal's like, get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Marsha Gay Harden, the poison elocution teacher, is not a fan of that. <laughs> well, she, uh, she she doesn't keep poise at that point. She she goes, she she lets a little gasp out, Janine. Oh dear. Yes, yeah, she clutches her pearls like literally. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know what? There's a difference, I think, between kind of New England upper class yacht club sailing club kind of people. And clutch my pearls, fancy southern ladies. You know, yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> there, there is a difference. 
there's a significant difference. I am kind of fascinated by the New England, you know, <laughs> upper class yacht club kind of country club golf. In comparison, because we mostly see the other kind. Yeah. I don't because I think I think and I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm going to say it. I think it's got something to do with the fact that the New England fancy people don't immediately come across as racist, whereas the fancy Southern people do tend to. Quicker. That's you a get stereotype. There. You get there a little quicker. I mean, I guess you, you do. Get that. But you do get there a little quicker. You get stereotype. You get there, definitely. But anyway <laughs> weird things are weird yes so we do get a, a question moment from yes so these are the kinds of things that uh julia roberts character is starting to see you know as she's kind of going through so she has her first day she has her whole lesson plan syllabus based off of uh this certain book um which these girls have just you know studied it during the summer or whatever so when she's showing her slides and she's trying to talk about the art, they already know everything about it because they pretty much just memorized the syllabus, that, memorized all the information that she was going to discuss. That scene was particularly horrible to watch. Yes! Perfectly horrible, perfectly horrible. We should mention, actually, apparently Mike Newell directed this movie. Who yes, knew? director of our favorite Harry Potter movie. Our favorite, and of course, Janine, as we all know, the stupidest Harry Potter movie. Yes. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. No <laughs> Harry Potter movie is comparable in hilariousness and also genuine quality and also absolute horror creepiness than Harry yeah, Potter and the Goblet of Fire. All. It's the perfect movie. Yes, it's got it all. Well done, Mike um, Newell. Yes, Even though so Mike Newell, as we all know with Harry Potter wasn't a massive fan of harry potter just did the one movie, one movie. was swiftly yeah. booted out because <laughs> he didn't care too much yeah he basically did what quaron did but not as creative yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do my own thing but i've not got that much of a brain about it <laughs> that's fair that's fair anyway but it's still our favorite somehow. So it is. It is. I love Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So I, I have to give credit to Mike Newell there for directing yes. this movie as well. Yes. Um. So yeah, I like that these kinds of nuggets of things are being dropped in her lap. So she's kind of seeing. She, she's seeing like, okay, what does the school really value? Because I thought it was education, but it doesn't really seem like it. So yeah, they kind of just blow up her whole first day plan because they've just memorized everything. Um, it's, so, it's so sad to to, and watch. it's so hard for her because she was already kind of nervous going into this new environment where she's kind of more, you know, progressive, and all of these girls are very much, you know, prim and proper, and kind of the and worrying about marriage as their priority, kind of the total opposite of anything she values. Um, and then to have them kind of like, you know, make her look stupid in a sense. So then we do see her like get on a call with her boyfriend who is in California, played by John Slattery. Howard Stark, not yes. his name is Howard Stark, and you okay, know Howard perfectly Stark. well it is. 
um, but she does have kind of like a very tearful kind of call with him, but she doesn't really open. And he has a whole, I told you so moment where I guess, you know, he told her, you know, this is a dumb idea. You're not going to fit in there. Um, so yeah, like when you're already kind of feeling like shit, that is not, it's not a helpful thing to say. <laughs> no. Um, but just to kind of go off of what we see from her, you know, later on that, like, she doesn't really say anything. She doesn't really, you know, when it comes to her feelings about things, you know, in her own life, she really doesn't yeah. communicate very well. Um, so she doesn't. She's what we refer to as a bottler. Yes. I mean, not someone who bottles good opportunities, but somebody who bottles emotions up. Yes. So she doesn't really talk to him about it. She just kind of hangs up the phone and, you know, has to kind of find another plan of attack to come at these girls. Um, so when she kind of realizes it's a point where they have, you can memorize this information, but she wants your opinions on it. She wants your thoughts on it. She wants you to look at it from a different way as opposed to just knowing the knowledge. So like anybody can do that but she wants to know how it makes you feel and, you know, learn something from it. The best teachers always do that. I think those are always the more, most interesting lessons that we don't just have in school. We can have them in, in any life. We can, you know, watch a video. We can read a book. We can listen to a podcast and it opens us up to actually thinking as opposed to just knowing yeah because it's like, all for, it is all very well and good knowing and memorizing but what are you going to do with that information what does that information mean because yes. that's the important thing are you appreciating not, this thing that was created yeah not not I, so much because you're too busy focusing on you know the... i love the change from that first lesson that we see to that second lesson. Yeah, she actually that opens up lesson. a discussion. She brings in art um, that they've never seen before, that they don't know what it is. And it since they- the textbook. Yes, so because they don't know what it is, that spurs a discussion of, okay, how does this make you feel? You don't, you don't have this information about it, when it's from, who made it, um, you know? So you have to kind of figure out what it means beyond the you know the written down words about it you need to come up with how this yeah. thing makes you feel so yeah that that second class she kind of comes at it from a way where it kind of forces them to discuss things and she she does get a very combative response from one girl in particular the great by, kirsten Dunst. yes who plays Betty. we all know we we, we we love kirsten Dunst. kirsten Dunst is generally wonderful she's also very very good at playing the worst very <laughs> unlikable characters yes so she's kind of the worst in this movie um her mom is like you know on the alumni board for the school that helps pick the teachers and things like She's that one of the yacht club people yes uh her mom is planning this big wedding for her um because obviously that's what we should be thinking about when we're at college <laughs> exactly so you know she her priorities are not great um and she's kind of a know-it-all she writes for the paper of the college um so yeah she, again she, 
bias articles yes most definitely um so yeah as every paper is to be fair let's call it what it is every every this is this is a hilarious thing that i often think you know news things so i mean some don't pretend but some do pretend we report facts not opinions drivel rubbish nonsense. no there is always a, a weird bias and you know in, yeah there are definitely biased vibes in some people's writings of things how they spin it and you know words they throw in there that you know give a very shady context yeah. to other things um, you, you don't you don't mind that it's that because of course they're allowed to do that but don't lie to me and tell it it's not exactly that. and that's kind of what Betty does. She writes these scathing yeah. articles. If somebody makes her mad, then she will come for you. Um, and oh, like yeah. consequences do happen. Um, so yes, Betty really seems to really fight against what Julia Roberts is trying to teach them. Um, you know, talking about how the art she's showing is ugly, and you know, she shows like Julia Roberts shows this picture that she drew for her mother. And says, you know, what do you think of this? Is this art? She's like, no, the right people have to say it's art. Well, who are the right people? You know, and it opens that, up even more of a conversation. And it's my favorite point about the changes between that, that first and second lesson that we see. Probably one of my kind of favorite parts of this movie, should we say, and it comes quite early on. Yeah. Is the fact that it's so clear from that first lesson that all these students are going to be incredibly diligent in studying without taking necessarily anything in and just memorizing. Yeah. You know, not using the information. They know the information, but they're not using the information. Exactly. Second lesson is all about questions. Oh, why is that art? Well, and who says an unanswerable who, question? Yeah, what what makes something art, and who says you know who who you're going to listen to yeah. in terms of the person calling it art? I love the way Julia Roberts handles that lesson because every time it's something like, "No, I don't, li- I don't like that. That's not art." Yeah, or, or the photograph. She pulls up a photograph, I think, as well of her mother. Yeah, of her of her mother. Yes, this is a photograph. Of my is mother. this art? And is, she is asks them, and they say, "No, that's not art. No, that's a, that's that's a, a snapshot. snapshot." And she says, "Well, what if I told you Ansel Adams took that photo? Correct. Correct. Would that make a difference? Oh, yes, that would definitely make a difference." Now, drivel it's nonsense, rubbish. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Why? Why? Because somebody's told you that that particular person is an artist. Who? Who's told you that? Yeah. The right person? How do you become that right person? Who is the right person? It's all subjective, Janine. This is the Exactly. Exact and that's what she wants this them is... to do. She wants them to look at art in a subjective way and give their opinions and thoughts of what it means and what ma- what it makes them feel. And, you know, you can decide what is art to you and what you feel like, you know. Uh, this is a movie does. about art history as a teacher, yes. the, as, a, as a subject. This is the same with movies. That we talk about. This is the same with music. This is the same with absolutely goddamn anything. It is subjective just because you happen, me, to like A24 movies doesn't mean you don't also 
like Scooby Doo from 2002. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because it's subjective. And if I say that's art, then that's art, goddammit, because I said it is. So it's art to me, might be art to you. It is to me. Yeah. And what a weirdly pretentious thing to say anyway. Oh, that's art. And that's not art. Why don't you just say, I like that. Or I don't like that. Or like, why, why? do you like that? Yeah. That's why. Why do you like that? That's why. Fair enough. The best yeah. thing I ever say, Janine, is fair enough. Because it saves it saves so much hassle and bother and arguments. Exactly. Like if that's if that's how you feel about it, enough. then that's your that's your right to feel that way and and see something in that way. Um. So this yeah, should this, she... this should be this conversation in this second lesson. It should be Kirsten Dunst versus Maggie Gyllenhaal, and it's just like Kirsten Dunst throwing these ridiculously kind of this it can only be art if it's painted by michelangelo or whatever yeah and maggie gyllenhaal going oh well why can't you know why can't this be i like this why do you like that and the, the back and forth there should just be why i like this and why i'm interested in this and why this means something to me and then the other person says why their thing means something to them and why that's important and then they both at the end, just go, what a lovely discussion we've just had. Haven't we learned a lot? Fair enough. <laughs> In what world do you think that would happen? Like, that doesn't An even happen now. World, that doesn't even happen today. I think it's gotten even worse. Like, <laughs> it has got far people are not allowed to like what they like. So, um, no, without yes. getting some sort of <laughs> unnecessary violent threat. Yes. But I think that's what she's trying to teach them that, you know, you need to have more than just facts. You need to see, look at things subjectively and form your own opinions about things. That's how you're going to learn the best. Yeah. Um, so she makes a whole new syllabus for the semester that they can't like, you know. They can't learn that by memory. <laughs> exactly. It's not in the book. It's modern art and in more interesting things that they've never really explored or um, seen before. Um, and so then this is kind of where we meet the kind of main group of girls that we're going to follow. Kristen Dunst, she's the one that's, you know, fighting back against all of it because she has been brought up to, you know, really be believe in these traditionalist ideas of being a homemaker and getting a husband. And, you know, her mom is somebody who, you know, has big ties to the school and can make things happen. So, um, and if nothing is perfect, um, you know, she's paying a consequence for that. So she's fighting against everything that Julia Roberts is kind of bringing to the table. Um, her best friend, Joan, played by Julia Stiles, she is more open to um, what Julia Roberts is trying to teach and she's interested and... Um, she's more independent as well, Julia Stiles. Yes. She's more focused on kind of not necessarily... You know, like Kirsten Dunst is doing what Kirsten Dunst is doing to keep up appearances almost. Julia Stiles is doing what Julia Stiles is doing because she wants to do it. Yeah, she like has it might she still be traditionalist. Do. It might still be traditionalist, but she clearly wants to do some of the things. Yeah. She's not gonna tell she's not gonna let this is what I like about Julia Stiles actually in this. She's not gonna let other people influence, influence what she that. does totally. yeah and you don't really figure that out until the end 
Um, no. So, you know, Julie Roberts kind of looks at her files and sees, oh, she um, is, you know, doing studying law. So do you want to be a lawyer? What do you want to do? And she kind of acts like, oh, you know, I don't think I can do that. I haven't really thought about it. And she's like, well, okay, if you were to pick anywhere to go to law school, where would you go? And she like already has an answer set up and knows that they say five slots for women and all of these things, but she hasn't really thought about it. So I think Julia Roberts sees this as an opportunity to, you know, show her that like you can have both of these lives. You can want to be a homemaker and all of those things, but you can also want more. You can do both. Um, so then she kind of tries to encourage her to to see that path through because it's obviously something she has considered and thought about and she she sees that potential in her to do it. So then she kind of does take Joan under her wing a little bit and tries to guide her with something she sees in her. Um, so that's another girl kind of set up in that group. So then we have Maggie Gyllenhaal's character who is kind of more rebellious. Um, you know, we learn that she had an affair with the Italian uh, professor at the school, Bill Dunbar, who now seems to have this new attraction to Julia Roberts who has come in. Um, so that does kind of create some complications. Um, but yeah, we see her to be kind of more open and progressive as well. So, you know, after that first class, she sees kind of Julia Roberts fire back at them with um, this new way of teaching them and kind of uh, subverting, um, you know, what they're learning in this class and teaching them new things. And so uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character gets kind of uh, impressed by her and really likes her. Um, but I think also is maybe a little bit jealous of her because she sees, you know, the her affair flame, this Italian professor kind of liking her as well. Um, also, we shouldn't be sleeping with the students, should we, Mr. Dunbar? <laughs> yes. Um, Prison with that man. Well, I mean, I'm sure they, they are of legal age. I'm sure they're 19, 20, whatever. Because they're I seniors. They're seniors sure at this point. Right. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sure there's something somewhere against student and teacher situations like yeah. sure i mean sure this can happen if they weren't your teacher you know yeah. i'm sure there's something i mean maybe fancy 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 schools in the 50s don't have these kind of rules in place i mean it is kind of a they keep it pretty undercover but i think people mostly know because julia roberts like everybody does, know <laughs> julia yeah julia roberts does hear this from marcia gay harden's character the you know uh, uh poise poise and elocution pearls clutching other teacher that she lives with um so yeah i think people are aware of it um but it's not like a public kind of situation um so yeah, she's another girl in the group that we meet. And then there's also Jennifer Goodwin's character who's kind of supposed to be like the duff of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of make her duff, even though she's not ugly or fat. <laughs> um, she, uh, it's weird. Yes. It's weird. And you have to have some sort of 
group dynamic and there has to be somebody left i suppose doesn't there yes so these are kind of like the girls that we mostly kind of follow and have their kind of own stories um it's a clique it's a mean girl situation well i mean there's only one mean girl in the clique really well yes but it's a mean girl situation (laughs) in the sense that it's a clique yes so kirsten dunst is regina george in this scenario um i give you worse of a person yes really she and she butts heads with Maggie uh Gyllenhaal's character. I think her name is Giselle. I want to say yes. So yes, uh Betty, uh Kirsten Dunst and uh Giselle, they butt heads all the time because you know she's very strict and traditional, and Giselle is very kind of like open and sleeps around and all of these things does what she wants. Um, and you know, we even see scenes of Betty picking on Jennifer Goodwin's character and you know, she set her up with her cousin as a date for the wedding. And she's like excited about it. And like, oh, you know, I wonder how he is. And she's like, he's only doing this as a favor to me. Like nothing's going to come of this. Like, so don't even expect, you know, this to be more than what it is. And like really just putting her down when she's trying to get excited about stuff. And we see that like Betty is very kind of unhappy with her own life i think that's where things with the title come in the whole idea of mona lisa smile in the photograph in the in the photograph in the art piece um you know we see her smiling but context is everything these girls are set to put smiles on their faces are told to smile and but there's so much going on under the surface that they're hiding that you know because it's not socially acceptable to share certain things or express certain things Every single every single character in this movie is dealing with battles inside their own head in different ways. Yeah. yeah. It's why, like, yes, Kirsten Dunst may be unpleasant as a person, you know, for near enough all this movie, but you at least get reasons why. You know, you at least get reasons why she's the way she is. You at least, she is at least a entirely developed character in the sense that sometimes she doesn't want to be thinking about this she's just had it hammered into her yeah like she and she puts other people down to kind of make her feel less shitty about her own situation like she hates herself but she she projects that on Giselle because Giselle kind of knows who she is and accepts who she is and does what she wants and she has that freedom. It's such She's a jealous of that thing to do, you know. Oh, I'm upset, so I'm going to make everybody else upset because that's going to make me feel better. Yeah, no, it's so going to make everyone upset. It's going to make everyone miserable. You so, horrible, yes. weird person. <laughs> so Jennifer Goodwin's character, Connie, you know, she puts her down all the time because when she gets excited about things or sees somebody maybe, you know having something or getting to be happy she has to put that down to make herself feel better because she's just miserable with you know what's happening in her own life so we do see betty like putting down people who she's calling her friends and just saying you know i'm not saying it to be mean i'm just want to be honest with you like that she does at one point get very excited about a washer dryer system she has in her bedroom though oh yes yes because that's which does look very impressive to be fair Like when that's what you're showing off, that's like, ay, ay, ay. um, but um, she, is, she, she is a little bit the picture of the 50s advertisements that 
you see of you know those ones that are unbelievably sexy yes like the, the happy housewife situation yes um Bye. This Christmas, make your wife smile br wider than she's ever smiled before by buying her a washer dryer set. Yeah, like yeah, no, no thing that she can um, use because you're not going to use. You're not going to do any laundry. Ah. You're not going to vacuum anything. Um, but yes, yeah, so we do. You know, once we're kind of meeting this friend group and their dynamic, which Betty kind of just basically trashing on everybody because she's just you know the worst. Um, I'd like to quickly point out as well that she is called Betty Elizabeth, but like any twenty-year-old that goes by Betty is automatically unbelievably traditionalist, as Betty is a name exclusively for people over the age of eighty. <laughs> stereotypical there i know but you know i'll hold my hands up with that one again but yeah. i think she was called <laughs> betty for a reason and it was that perhaps perhaps um but we did talk a little bit about um the use of her very biased articles that she writes for yes. the school so we see the girls kind of having a conversation and giselle is seen with a diaphragm and um connie asks her like where did you get this she says she got it from the school nurse which is one of the um, the teachers at the school that Julia Roberts does also live with, with uh, Marcia K. Harden's character. And um, one of the few people she's met who she can kind of have these progressive conversations with, who kind of fill her in on like how crazy the school is and um, somebody she can kind of relate to and have kind of honest conversations about what's going on. And she fills her in kind of on all like the dirt of, you know, what the school thinks and how it's kind of silly and, you know, so she's kind of made a friendship with her, with the nurse. Um, so Giselle does say she got it from this school nurse woman, and she's also a lesbian. Um, yes. And they kind of talk about how her companion died. Oh, I, like I love, I love, I love, I love old timey phrases when just say what you mean, please. Yes. People. So of course, uh, Pearl clutching Marsha Gay Harden says, <laughs> all in whispers, her oh, in whispers, yeah. Oh, she'd burn if she said gay. You know, she'd burn if she called somebody yes. a lesbian or, or whatever. Yes. So she, she, She'd she, burn she, in the pits of hell forever. Yes. So she does Wouldn't say her companion passed away like three years ago. Um, so we kind of know that about her, that, you know, obviously she is progressive because she is living a lifestyle that is not you know, commonly discussed or publicized. Yes, or in the early like 50s. Yes. Um, so Julia Roberts has made like this bond with her, but, um, you know, Betty is on her high horse and um, just disgusted by the way Giselle lives her life. And so she decides to write this whole article about how this nurse is giving out, you know, contraceptives and like, you know, promoting. Because apparently, yeah, because apparently doing, oh, is it promoting promiscuity or something like that? Because apparently, he, of course, as we all know, Janine, it's it's worse to give out contraceptives to people uh, getting busy with each other than, than to not do that yes. when they're still doing it. Exactly. Because that's much worse. So yeah, she does. She does play it in the article that she is promoting promiscuity, and that is not the Wellesley girl way, and all of these things. So then, you know, the the nurse Amanda Armstrong, I believe is her name. Um, 
she ends up getting fired because, yeah. And they want her to make this statement about how she won't do it again and this and that, but they don't care. They're still going to fire her. So they end up firing her for that. Um, so yeah, all because of Betty's article and, you know, her power and like her mother being on the alumni society. Oh yeah. I mean, it's influential. It's influential. These things happen. You know, this is a very real situation. Yeah. Certainly way more so then as well in terms of things like this. Yeah. So this is kind of uh, another set of, of things to show us kind of Betty's character and, you know, just how terrible she, she is being in this movie. Um, So yeah, she does get the nurse fired. So then that kind of, puts her on Julia Roberts' radar now to see, okay, this girl's really kind of going to be... Something's going on. Yeah, she's going to be a tough one to have to deal with. So even going into Betty's wedding, um, you know, we see, like, her mom is planning and just kind of taking charge of everything. And she goes to her mom and gives her, like, the seating chart and all of these things. And... um, she tells her, oh, yeah, you know, this poem that you wanted uh, my fiance to read, you know, he really doesn't want to do it. So I told him it's fine. She like forcefully grabs Betty's arm and pulls her aside and tells her, no, you're going to make him read this poem. She's like, I don't care if he reads it. Like, it's not a big deal. So this is kind of a sense we see like, you know, Betty's terrible, but it's kind of a product of like what she's you know, had to to deal with. So I like that we get this scene that kind of shows that like, this isn't who she is. This is kind of who she's been forced to be. And, you know, she's dealing with her own demons. So she kind of just projects on other people. So yeah, yeah, her mom is forcefully grabbing her arm, pulling her aside very politely and telling her, you need to make him read this poem. You know, a good wife, a good woman, you know, makes the man think it's his idea. So you're going to get him to read this poem. And she's like, I don't care if he reads it. Like, it's not a big deal to me. No, it is very important. You're going to regret it later if he doesn't read this poem. Like something as dumb and trivial as that and something she personally doesn't care about, you know, is her mother makes it into this huge thing. Um, So you see kind of the power of this legacy that's being forced upon her kind of play out in this one little scene. So I really kind of loved that they gave us that moment. Yeah. Where we at least got a glimmer of like, maybe, you know, this isn't really who Betty is. So, cause they make it so easy to hate her, but I like that we got this real moment. That's kind of showing, you know, this is kind of thrust upon her. This is, you know, forced upon her. Exactly. And from there for like the rest of the movie, while Betty is continuing to be cruel to people, she at least becomes, like I said before, a very, very developed, real person of a character. Yeah. In, in you know, in the sense that we realize why she's the way she is, and we realize that she has plenty of issues going on inside her own head as well. Yeah, that plays. She's that. obviously, yeah. Yeah, and I'd I'd also like to point out as well, don't force people to do things at the wedding that they don't want to do. It's one of the most infuriating things I think I've ever come across is people forcing, oh, you have to do this. Why are you telling me what I have to do? Exactly. This is supposed to be my way. Not that I'm married (laughs) or know anything about that, you know, but still. Yeah. Don't tell me what I 
should and shouldn't be doing. Yes, but she has my to own slick event, enough, please. To, she has to be slick enough to make him think it's his idea. Um, so yeah, her it's mom vomit kind of... inducing, Janine. I made this ungodly noise, and I'm sorry to everybody listening. <laughs> I made that noise. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it was necessary to have a scene like that so that we could yeah. at least get a break of hating her and kind of maybe understanding the purpose behind, you know, how she treats people. Um, so the wedding does happen. You know, it's such a big affair that like the Joneses of the term keeping up with the Joneses are there <laughs> at this wedding. So that's how <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yes, that's how big of a deal this wedding is, right? Um and then we get a little development of Connie's story. You know, uh, Betty's cousin was, she asked him to be uh, Connie's date. And Betty led her to believe that he's only taking her as a favor, that, you know, he's not really interested in her and all of these things. So she, you know, has her few dances with him and then she kind of just walks off. She's like, okay, well, bye. And like goes to shake his hand. And he's like, wait, wait, where are you going? And she's like, oh, well, I figured you were done with me. Like Betty told me, you know, uh, you were just doing this as a favor. And so I don't want to like, you know, keep you or, you know, have you have to be with me longer than you need to be. And he's like, no, like I asked her, this is a favor to me. I wanted to meet you and wanted to take you out and all of this stuff. And she's like completely shocked because she's been beaten down and told all these negative things by Betty that like, it's hard for her to believe that like, he actually was interested in me. So just another example of like Betty's, projecting kind of screwing up things with people she supposedly calls her friends and things like that starting to feel less like a teacher movie more like a coming of age high school movie right point, exactly yes um so yeah so we get that little story with connie um and even with Giselle, like, she kind of presents herself as very, like, sexually co uh, confident, very open, you know, very, like, liberal and free herself yeah. to kind of do her own things. But then we do see her very vulnerable. Like, um, at this wedding, you know, she's still trying to make something happen with the Italian professor, Bill Dunbar. Yeah. And he is, like, telling her, no, it's not going to happen. You because know. he's realized that if people see him there, he will go to prison. <laughs> You just really want to send this man to prison. Um, I want to send this man to I don't, I just, I thought there was a thing. I thought it was a thing. I thought it was a proper thing of this kind of, because if it isn't a thing, I'm sure I've been it told is. a lie sure, for my entire no, life. I'm sure it is, but it's not enough to, to fire him, I guess. Maybe that plays into the whole idea of like, you know, men kind of, getting to get away with things more than women. Well, yes, you know, okay, I think that might play into that. That's a um, fair. Yes. Okay. And because probably because she's of legal age, it's not, you know, mm, yeah. but we get m movies and storylines where, you know, these young college girls run off with their college professor or have affairs with their college professors. Like True. that is a, that is a thing that maybe happens. I'm getting, maybe I'm maybe I've just read some sort of story recently, which I think was a bit shady about maybe it was high school actually so maybe it was kind of legitimately dodgy um maybe i've just got that maybe in my mind in for, some, yeah. for some reason um, i don't know because even in mr holland's opus wasn't there there was that girl who was infatuated with mr holland yeah exactly but so that one would have been a little bit more dangerous because she yeah yeah um 
but yeah, so we do, for the most part, we see Giselle as kind of this confident person who knows herself, who is not afraid to like talk about sex or, you know, sleep around. And she like has affairs with married men and does kind of whatever she wants, but she's still kind of fixated on uh, Bill and gets a little bit jealous when she sees his interest in Julia Roberts and really shows her vulnerability. Like we see moments of her kind of waiting outside her, his house for him and you know he's telling her you know we have to end we can't continue this situation like we ended this you know in the summertime so can you just stop and like her actually like tearing up and getting sad about it and she hers like i know i know but like we actually see her get vulnerable um after moments of seeing her be really confident and you know and it's it also kind of is a comparative look at her and betty like betty bottles all her stuff up and then projects it on other people giselle she is very open about her feelings and everything else bottles up her kind of more vulnerable emotions, but she doesn't like project it to, on people she, and treat the, people like crap. Extroverted introvert. <laughs> yes. So how Betty projects and puts that negativity on other people, Giselle doesn't is manages not to do that. Even though she kind of is in the similar situation where she puts on this front of being very confident, but she has a lot of vulnerable feelings but she doesn't like take out her sadness or anything else on other people like Betty yeah. does. Um, so I do like that kind of comparison in their characters and stories as well. Uh, Cause near the end, the end we see them kind of come together in a way, cause they're always kind of butting heads. Um, so like, I think in because, that moment um, when some, uh, there's some people, they realize that they're all just people that are trying the best. Yes. Um, so we do even get a moment, yeah, where Giselle like calls Betty a bitch. I don't know why I so, went crying. Yes, yes, you're getting vulnerable as well. Um, so yeah, I we do get some kind of more development things happening at this wedding. Um, and Betty actually does get her husband to read the poem. Um, yeah. you know, like her mom wanted her to. Her um, husband's and, a pretty boring dude. Yeah. So we do get like this picture perfect kind of situation. Um, and Joan, Julia Stiles' character, also she is, uh, you know, dating the uh, the husband's, uh, Betty's husband's best friend. Yeah. Um, Topher Grace, played by Topher Grace. And he looks very young, even yeah. though he's been in things before. A lot of things since, yeah. Um, but he, so he actually seems like one of the guys in this movie that's actually like a decent guy. Um, I, I suppose so. But I, I just felt like it was weird seeing Topher Grace in this. Maybe he was wearing a suit that looked too big for him because we've obviously seen Topher Grace in stuff before 2003. Many things, many, many, many things yeah. when yeah. he was younger. But for some reason, he looked he younger looked very young. in this movie. He looked like a child wearing his dad's suit <laughs> for the first time a little bit. I don't think the costume department did a particularly wonderful job with Paul. Maybe it was just good Chris lighting. Grace. Maybe it was good lighting. That just we shouldn't call him Chris Grace. He distinctly does not want to be called Chris, does he? So no, no. Topher Grace. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah. So he gets introduced to Julia Roberts and like gushes about how much Joan talks about how much she inspires her and all of these things she's done for. Because at this point. Um, Julia Roberts has given her an application for law school and is like yeah. trying to encourage this whole thing for her. Um, and she she does actually apply. Um, 
So that's kind of something we follow as well. And it ultimately kind of ends up in a situation where um, she's talking to Topher Grace and, you know, he tells her, oh, you know, she got in and um, she'll have that. She'll, she'll, she, she can be happy just knowing that she got in. And Julia Roberts is like, wait, what? She's like, oh, yeah, well, I got into Penn. And so, you know, we're not going to be near where Yale is. So she can't go. So, um so basically the response is no 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 yeah it's happening shut up exactly so she's kind of like so she's not gonna go because she's gonna go with you and you know let you do your thing and go to school and she's gonna just so yeah so she ends up trying to do this whole figuring out for julia styles to help her figure out you know you know law school is near the area where she can still go to school and still be home to to be a housewife and do like her wifely duties and all of these things. Um, and she's very excited. She's like, you can do both. Like you can, you know, get dinner on the table by five and go to school oh. and become a lawyer and all of these things. So it's also very it's possible. Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to just cook something quick and easy and well, Half not not in seven. not in the fifties. So not in the fifties. No, ultimately, fifties picture perfect white picket fence America. Exactly. So ultimately, in her kind of storyline, um, it kind of ends with her telling Julia Roberts that, "Hey, like, I want this life. I want to, you know, take care of my husband and have children and be there to raise them. Um, so I'm fine giving up school. And like you tell us, you know, it's our choice that we can do what we want." Um, but you don't believe it when it comes from the other side. Like, why is it so hard for you to believe that I want that life? I want to, you know, be a homemaker and all of those things. And, um, and she, like, I, I, she feels kind of like a little bit like she's disappointed Julia Roberts as well. Um, but I like that she put it in that context. Like you tell us we can be whatever we want. Well, this is what I want to be. Um, nobody's telling me what to do. If I had wanted to go to, law school like Topher Grace would have supported it but you know this is what I want um so I like that they kind of threw that in there because like the obvious kind of theatrical movie choice would be to like you know she goes to Yale and she does both and like she that's what Julia Roberts inspired her to do but Julia Roberts inspired her to kind of really think about what she really wants and she realizes yeah what she really wants is that kind of life that we see Julia Roberts kind of fighting against the whole movie so that's like well, I like that we actually have a character who does want that. Yes, that and that's it's not what like I said a, before. It's about not like Julius a Betty. Now. It's not like a Betty who feels like that is forced upon them. Like they have to do that, and that's all they can do. Like most of these girls at the school, and Betty in particular, this is actually something she wants. So I like that she kind of makes the point to Julia Roberts that it was my choice. Like this is my choice. Exactly. Exactly. It's why I totally respect julia styles as a character in this movie like i said before she makes her own damn decisions you know they are traditionalist decisions but they are her own independent decisions yes um perfectly good yes um and so i think julia roberts kind of learned something in that moment as well so she kind of sees like yeah i think she's kind of has a point like i've been telling her all of these things and um I'm, I've only seen it from this one side. So I need to really you know, hear my words and say, yeah, you can be whatever you want. 
whether that be a housewife or, you know, a lawyer, like, yeah. um, you know, she taught her, I taught her that. So I need to really just see that that's what she wants. And so she like tells her, you know, be happy, like, and, you know, gives her a hug. And I do appreciate how this movie does kind of, it has all these, has a lot of kind of different plot lines going on. Yeah. <laughs> it was good time to each of them. Yeah. It doesn't feel, you know, none of them feel rushed dismissed. or like pointless or anything. No. Yeah. It's a very, very well paced, well structured movie to give time to each of these things. Yes. Um, you know, to give the desired time to each of these things to make us actually consider what's going on more. The whole theme of the movie actually consider the information you are being told. Yeah. All the while, these kind of stuff's going on you're getting more lessons with julia roberts as well yeah like she's she takes them to this um area where like they're unpacking all this art and they get to see the unpacking of this uh huge jackson pollock piece yeah and you know she's looking oh, it's at all it flicked on a piece of paper or what's this nonsense and all yeah that so she she's looking up at this huge piece and analyzing it and really kind of taking it in meanwhile they're all talking and you know making fun of it and making jokes and she tells him like shut up and look at it like yeah i'm not telling you to like it i'm not telling you you know to write a paper on it i'm just telling you to consider it yeah. you know i'm asking that's the assignment just to consider it um, so I liked that, you know, another part of kind of her whole process of, you know, make up your own mind about things, um, you know, really the... look things, consider them, take them in. Um, so yeah, I really liked that kind of lesson of it. Um, but then she does kind of get this little lecture from the head of the school, like, oh, you know, maybe less modern art because, you know, stick to, so I'm sure somebody complained that you know what somebody, she's somebody complained <laughs> i wonder who that was yes but that that lesson is you know just consider it is the most important thing to take away from this movie and it's one we can all stand to do more of yes is we don't have to you know like everything we don't have to argue about everything we just have to consider yeah everything and then we and also even get a nice even, even the slightly stupid things, even the kind of weird extreme things, consider it because it's real to some people. Yeah. Um, and then we do get a nice moment where she does have this whole kind of Van Gogh lesson talking about how, you know, people thought his art was very childlike and he didn't sell a single painting when he was alive. And now to be this famous artist where now he's in this paint by numbers where you can you know, yeah. buy his paint just like him. Um, and in the end, all of the girls like do this paint by numbers Van Gogh sunflower piece, but they all kind of do it differently to kind of show that they've learned how to interpret art in their own way. And, yeah. you know, and they give it's them to as a gift. Yeah. Strict technique. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are some great lessons that she's showing them to kind of just open up their minds to more than just this cookie cutter ideal of what they can be. Um, and then she has this, she has this really harsh moment with Betty after Betty gets married and she's gone for weeks and weeks because, you know, at Wellesley, the teachers look the other way when a student gets married and lets them, you know, 
go on their honeymoon and set up their home and all of these things. So they miss all this work and teachers kind of just let that slide. But Julia Roberts is no, like you are not here. You're not doing the work. You missed a midterm. You missed all these assignments. Um, so yeah, you are going to be failing if you don't, you know, catch up. And she's like, well, I had to, you know, I got married. I went on my honeymoon and I had to set up home. So da, 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 da. And, you know, Connie's like, oh, well, you know, that's the teachers look the other way on that. And, and Julia Roberts is, well, I don't care. And so she kind of gets into it with Betty and kind of throwing it back in her face. Well, you're just a bitter old woman who never wanted to get married because, you know, you can't get married and you're just jealous of me because I'm married and kind of kind of like throws that in her face. And this is Kirsten Dunst's projecting again, terrible person acting, not terrible acting terrible person. phenomenal acting as a terrible, terrible person. person she's very good at it yeah very very good at it yes she does so, it perfectly here she's she's great so they kind of get into it um and she's like do the work show up and you won't fail but she just is like you know doesn't care so then this is when her her articles come back again oh yeah and she says, you know, this teacher is trying to challenge the roles we were born to fill and very dismissive. Ooh, I, love, I, I, I yes. love that. I love that. And oh, God, so it was so pigeonhole yes. It made me vomit again. Yes. Um, she's dismissive of the traditions and the values of the school and, you know. The kind roles of trying... we were born to fill. Yes. God. So she calls out Julia Roberts for coming for this whole concept of just like all you can be as a housewife all the school is doing is trying to make you a housewife so she writes this really scathing shitty article about julia roberts so then she comes in with a clapback lesson which i love this part oh, of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. she shows them advertisements and she tells them no talking you're just gonna listen today and she shows them all these advertisements of like you know these roles that women have and like, you know, oh yeah, if you're a Rhodes Scholar, you can uh, recite poetry while you're, you know, uh, vacuuming, you know, you can, if you are a physics major, you can, uh, you know, measure the, the, you know, dimensions of your next meatloaf. Like this yeah. is, you know, <laughs> it's what I said before about, you want to impress your wife perfectly? Buy her a vacuum for a Christmas present. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like you're studying these things. You're, you're the smartest woman in the country just to be at home doing what with this education that you've gotten. Um, so she Why kind waste of, your time? Yeah. That's all you're going to do. Exactly. So I love that she brings up the point. Like I love, like yeah, if you're a physics major, you can use that those skills to measure the the perfect meatloaf, you know, or like the hem of your skirt, and you know, things like that. And like a corset, the ad says to set you free. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um. So yeah, she calls them out. Like these are the smartest women in the country, and this is what they hold most valuable is you know, just being a housewife and not using the education that you're getting here to the, the best of your ability. So Sometimes I love that the teachers need to call all the students more. Yes. And so they all are properly. completely, they are silent. They do not know what to say. They're all like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I love that she kind of just throws this whole thing in their face. And uh, I appreciate these, those kind of tough, 
tough love lessons sometimes in teacher movies where it is literally you're all idiots and this is why <laughs> yes um and so after kind of this point this is where betty kind of starts really breaking down like yes. you know married life isn't as great as it looks for her because her um, husband was very boring and looks like the just the most painfully boring person yes um he does not seem very interested in anything they have joan and he doesn't Topher Grace over for dinner, and he just seems very like in the middle of the thing. He's like, "Oh, I gotta go to New York. Gotta go by." And he he's gives the most her, like, vague person I've ever yes! seen in a movie. <laughs> he gives her this really sloppy kiss on the head, and like, "Okay, bye. I gotta go." Um, so he's constantly leaving town, and there's a certain moment where um, Giselle is out in in the city as well, having one of her little affairs, and she sees the husband kissing another woman on the street. So now she has surprise. a surprise. Yes. Yes. Um, and like just another night of him being away and Betty decides I'm going to go stay home at my parents' house because, you know, I don't want, I'm tired of being home by myself. And when she tries to go home, her mother's like, no, this is the life you chose. This is not your home anymore. Go home, clean up your face and wait for your husband. She's like, well, I can't even. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. So she's like, I can't even stay here. Like what? You know, I'm tired of being by myself. Like, he's, he's not here. She's like, well, that must be something you're doing wrong. That's the life you chose. Just go wait for him. So, like, yeah, we see kind of what is being put on Betty to make her, like, feel the way she does. Um, so, ultimately... You fully understand. You fully yes. understand the, the breakdown that yes. comes shortly after. Yes. So, on top of that... Um, Connie has this romantic weekend with Betty's cousin and um, he takes her to the Cape and then the, the, he sees this older couple and he's like trying to avoid them. He's scared oh, yeah. that he doesn't yeah. want to see them. The, this couple named the McIntyres. So when she's telling her girlfriends about how they avoided this couple, um, Betty kind of spins it that, oh, well, you know, he is dating their daughter and, you know, she wears his pin. And so he was with another girl while he was with you. That's why he took you to the Cape because he's hiding you and makes Connie feel like shit about this whole like happy relationship that she's excited about. So she's taking she's still Betty. doing it. Yes. She's still doing it is old Betty. Yes. So she's taking Betty's word for it and just cuts off all communication with this guy that she really likes. And then he gets a new girlfriend and she's heartbroken. And she even has a moment where like Betty, like I just saw him and he told me he was not with that girl. Why would you make me think that? Why don't you want to see me be happy? And Betty can't say anything. She just walks away and leaves Connie there crying. Um, but it ultimately works out for Connie. She finds him and oh, yeah. they make up and Connie has her happy, great moment. So yay for Connie. That she deserves. Yes. Who's just she painted as pleasant. Yes. She's beautiful. And, but yeah, she's painted as the duff of this group. And she gets her moment. Um, so yeah, then ultimately all these things happen to Betty and she does have this huge breakdown where she kind of goes off on Giselle and calls her a slut and tells her, you know, Bill Dunbar, he doesn't want you. Nobody wants you. When it's really just like projecting the, the biggest projection. Language for 1953. <laughs> yes. Really. Yes. Very scandalous. Um, so yeah, she ends up kind of calling out Giselle and, and going crazy on her and telling her all these things until she has this breakdown and Giselle, you know, she's seen the husband cheating. So she kind of knows where this is yeah. coming from. So even though her and Giselle have been kind of fighting this whole time, she, she holds, she grabs her and hugs her and, you know, we get because the that's all you need sometimes. Yes. Because she hasn't been able to actually be who she fully wants to be 
as opposed to who she thinks she should be. Exactly. For the, her entire life. And that's going to kill people. Exactly. That um, is going to destroy people's brains. Yes. And it destroyed Betty's brain yes, in this movie. And we saw it all explode all over the carpet as though she'd been <laughs> shot horribly with a shotgun. Where are these insane analogies coming from today? I don't you? know. <laughs> I don't know. Um. So, yes. So, that kind of plays into Betty's you know breakdown for her to kind of finally realize where all this hate that she's been having built up for people that's where that comes from um and then also you know evolves into her making peace and really you know bonding with Julia Roberts character yes. which was something that had been a conflict the whole movie everybody comes to fully respect Julia Roberts I think after the tough love lesson yes and like uh, you know, they, Betty they get, does... they get a little gossip night out of her as well, where they oh, find yes. out that the William, William Holden, Holden situation actually did happen. Yes, which I felt was quite nice because you you need it's it's people growing to respect each other despite differences, and it's the most mature thing possibly. It's it's great to have this in. What is essentially half a teach movie and half a coming of age movie? Yeah, we got a lot but with these girls is... and their personal stories, and you know, kind of what she's teaching them, kind of playing into that in certain points. Yeah, this this movie is very half and half on its focus of Julia Roberts, the teacher, and the girls in the school. Yeah, it is not solely about Julia Roberts. No. You know, like a lot of these teacher movies have been, you know, the main the main focus is what's going on with the teacher. Yeah, but we we get like four whole kind of side stories with the main kind of four girls that yeah. we, we follow. It's On great. Top it, of it's... Julia Roberts and her stuff trying to teach them and like fight against this whole um, you know, idea of domestication that these um girls are have put upon them at the school and like i said before it's very very well structured and i like that it comes to this very very pleasant end yeah of they're all respecting each other um well yeah by the end like we find out that enrollment for her class is like huge for the next semester yes. but they re they evaluate these new teachers every year on whether they're gonna invite them to come back and teach the next semester and they say, oh, yeah, well, she can come back, but, you know, she's going to have to give us her lesson plans in advance and we're going to have to approve them and no new art. And she can't do this and that. And like they said, they, we see them having this discussion about what they're going to do with her and they make up all these regulations for her. But then Basically. like they also say that like, yeah, the the registration for her class next year is, you know, the biggest in the they've ever seen because people yeah. want to learn from her but ultimately with all the regulations they put on her she's not going to go for that so then yeah, basically julia roberts in. says eh, no no thank you so then we get you know this whole graduation scene where she's leaving and all the girls are on their bikes like following her telling her goodbye and like betty is like right they're trying to reach for her because you know oh, it's all very tear it's very emotional um so yeah she kind of leaves the school having actually taught them how to that they could be more than you know valuable influential 
lessons, yeah. Janine. That is what these teachers are all about. Valuable, influential lessons. Any fool can teach somebody else information. But not everybody can teach somebody valuable lessons like consider everything and realize you are not necessarily supposed to be anything yeah and 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 actually can you know get these messages across to people not everybody can do that well done julia roberts yay in this movie and I just, I like that it ends in this very, very positive way because for a lot of it, it is, it's a very argumentative movie. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of fighting. With fighting sides and, you know, yeah, having to fight, you know, weird values that, you know, are traditional. And obviously having to fight for your right to party. Which is is yeah that's the most the important thing, thing to yeah. college students as exactly. we know. I like this movie. Yeah, I like this movie, Janina. I did. I appreciated its significant thinkiness. Let's call it. Okay. There's a lot of thinkiness. How did you in this movie? How did you feel about uh, people really kind of going for those transatlantic uh, accents? Couple of people were. <laughs> Feel like it's just upper class New England, though. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the transatlantic accent is a made-up accent created by Hollywood, as we all know. Yeah. But it also seems to have been made, or seems to be have been taken up by upper-class New Englanders. Catherine Hepburn country. Yeah, like the 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 nurse teacher, uh, um, Amanda Armstrong, she feels like she's really putting it on. She feels like she's doing Kate Blanchett's Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> like bit, the way she's talking. Julia, Julia Stiles is really trying to go for it. Um, she's the, the worst guy. offender. Although it's not, well, it's not the, like... The guy who plays uh, Kirsten Dunst's husband... He's kind of trying to do it too. Well, yes, but he's they're not kind in of the, the movie three for a great deal. They're like the three offenders of this. Well, you know, really trying to, to it doesn't pull it take off. me. It doesn't take you out of it. Like I no, really like Julia's no. in this movie, but I think she was really. She was saying, right, Julia, Julia, this is Massachusetts. She goes in the fifties. You're upper class. She goes, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't you, do a transatlantic accent myself. You could tell she was, she was putting it on. Yes, you yeah. could. But yeah. everybody, yeah. everybody was good. Everybody was good in this movie. Yeah. I really liked this movie. Very, very positive things going on you, at the end of this. How would you rank the teacher? Oh dear. <laughs> I think that's going to have to be something I'll think about. I'll tell you what I'll do, Janine, is I will promise to rank the teacher movies at the start of next week's episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. Okay. Because that is something I'm going to have to think about. They are way too different to do off the top of my head now. Okay. Too much variation in teacher movies, I think. Um, <laughs> but I promise I will do that. 
at the beginning of next week's episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen, because, of course, it is a new series starting next week on Morgan Hasn't Seen. This is the finale of the teacher movie series. Janine, it's going to be October. Yes. That usually means things. It is spooky season. Yay. We had a really fun theme last year of doing um, witch movies. So I think we're going to pick another spooky entity and go with ghost haunting movies. A ghost. A ghost. ghost. (laughs) We love ghosts. I love ghosts. I am a ghost. (laughs) Don't know if you knew that. Oh, I did. Probably didn't. Has this show been real? Have I just been imagining that you're here talking to me? And it's just been like these one-sided. Yeah. Exactly. So, yes, really excited for spooky season to talk some fun, spooky movies. Ghost movies. Yes. Janine, do we have a list of them? Do we, we know do what have... we're going to be doing? I think we do. So we will be talking High Spirits. That's a fun one. Uh, Stir of Echoes. That's a creepy one. The Frighteners. I think it's a little bit in between. And Unfriended. Okay. Some, some cyber ghosts going on there. Cyber ghosts. Yes. <laughs> oh, unfriended. Oh, it's about Facebook. Oh, modern horror. <laughs> Boo, I want the 50s. <laughs> we'll get that on the main show because we are also covering oh, those movies true. over I there as well. On the main show. I mean, yeah. I say the 50s. I was just thinking about the 50s because of this. Really, it can be any period. Long, not long ago, a few decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with. Um, but yeah, ghost movies. Morgan starts getting very excited. It's going to be great. Yay. The excitement is there. But Mona Lisa Smile, a very, very good movie that we should go and watch because it will give you life lessons. Yeah. And that's what teacher movies should do. They should also teach you. Exactly. Because they are about teachers. And the teachers teach students things, and they also teach you things. Because that's what (laughs) teachers do. They teach. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Morgan hasn't seen this show. Is not the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. We have Machine Mondays every Monday with yourself, Janine, talking all your schmo-down things. This week you found out that you were going to be facing... The old enemy again. Yes, I'm gonna be having some white bread. We're very excited. We're very excited about that. Yeah, you will. You get into all that on this week's episode of Machine Mondays. We also, of course, have the main show. It's a wonderful podcast on Fridays. I'm always over there. Sometimes it's Janine. Sometimes it's Nolan. They switch off every other week. Although last week there was an issue, so we didn't have an episode and I got very upset. But it is Janine back on this week. Um, and it's ghost movies again. Yeah. Because it's October. We've got five main show episodes on old ghost movies. We are going to be talking this week The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Yeah. And that's a name I can't say very well. I think you did. 1947, Rex Harrison, Gene Tierney, George Sanders. Good stuff. Yeah. Romancy ghost. Yeah. That isn't Patrick Swayze. No. What's this craziness? No pottery in this one. No pottery involved. No unchained melody involved. Just spooky ghosts. 
yeah. being romantic. It's fun. The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, 1947, on this week's episode of The Main Show. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all the other places. On Twitter, we are at It's a Wonderful One. We have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for you to go and subscribe and do your notification bell things on. I've already spoken about the Patreon, but you can also... Find me on Twitter at it's a at, not at it's a wonderful one at the purple <laughs> dot with a three instead of the e in the because Janine three is the magic number on Instagram at the purple dot all your glorious stuff is where you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter Janine Debean on Instagram and if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork you can find all of that at my T Public shop at G Nine Design on tpublic.com. Well, there we go. I think, Janine, um, because it's Mona Lisa Smile, or should I get you to do a transatlantic accent? Oh I was going to ask you to do an Italian one because it was Mona Lisa. So Italian or transatlantic, pick one and we'll go oh with it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, three, <laughs> two, one, darling. Bye. Bye. Yeah. You can frown if you want, Lisa. I don't really mind. <laughs>